Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today's episode is about improving your interior, your home lighting environment to optimize your health and your performance. We all know how important lighting is and we know that getting outside is super important, but at the end of the day, we all have to spend time indoors to some degree and managing those that light, those light sources is critical for our health. So my guest is Talia Ram. She is the resident wellness lighting expert at a company called Lumaram, which has been around for decades. It's actually her family business. And she herself was a meditation and yoga teacher for 10 years. And finally, she decided she was going to join the family business and join in on this communication to the world of how important lighting is and what solutions they've come up with to help us all. It's a great discussion. I learned a ton. And definitely, we're moving beyond even just wearing blue blockers or using red light. This is really about your day-to-day and making your environment healthier and functional at the same time. So if you decide to go shopping after you've listened to this episode, you can go to healthlighting.com and use discount code NAT15, and that will save you 15% off your entire purchase. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the comments, the questions. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for the reviews. I'm so grateful for you guys. You make it possible for me to do what I love as a job when it's not a job. So before we jump into the episode, of course, we're going to have a word from one of our sponsors super quick, and then you're off to the races. Enjoy. Today's sponsor is obsessed with mitochondria and their impact on how we age. Their research has shown that by supporting mitophagy, the process that our bodies use to reduce damaged mitochondria and make healthy ones, we can protect cells from cellular decline. Even more exciting, their research shows that supporting mitophagy in older adults, they were able to significantly improve muscle health and performance in just two months. And we can all agree that improving muscle performance and health is critical to longevity and healthy aging. So how did they do this? 10 years of research by the folks at Timeline Nutrition has resulted in the discovery of urolithin A, the active compound in MitoPure, a revolutionary supplement offered to you in three different forms that gives you a therapeutic dose of urolithin A. A delicious vanilla protein shake, my personal favorite, a berry powder you can add to yogurt and smoothies, or convenient capsules for travel. I personally love the three-month trial that allowed me to try all three of these. Within just two months, I could feel my gym workouts getting easier and my body responding to the effects of those healthier mitochondria. To try MitoPure for yourself, just go to timelinenutrition.com forward slash NAT10 and use code NAT10 to save 10% off your order. And now let's get back to the show. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Welcome to the podcast, Talia. It is such a pleasure to meet you today. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Natalie, for having me. Yeah, well, this is such a great topic. You know, every we're often in the biohacking space, we're often, you know, talking about supplements and 
gizmos and, and I don't want to discredit anything by calling it a gizmo, but we're talking about health tech and we often don't pay enough attention to the basics. And mm-hmm. I definitely put light into a basic that is, and yet that is so critical to every aspect of our health and our performance. So I'm really excited for this conversation. Definitely. And you started off as it should be. Lighting is a basic and that's what we're going to talk about. (laughs) I know. I'm so excited. But first, we're going to talk about you because we always talk about the guest first. And, you know, as I said to you before, you know, how did you come to to this space? Like what brought you to lighting as a solution for health? It's quite interesting. Um, My background uh, is in yoga, holistic health, meditation and sound healing, actually. Nice. And I recently got involved. I'm actually the daughter of the founders of Lumiram. Uh, So we've been around for quite some time, starting in Europe in 1959 and then in the States in 78. Um, And so I just recently came on and and really the biggest intersect really is sound and light Mm -hmm. and how they are related. And we'll, we'll kind of get into that, but the whole concept of full spectrum light is the same thing as having the concept of full spectrum sound. So nice. yeah, that's not really spoken about a lot Mm-mm. or very well understood. So it was quite interesting to kind of get involved and bring in my knowledge of sound and my knowledge of light just from being involved since I was so young, just being aware of lighting it wasn't really a choice. It was just <laughs> no around me. Um, and just, you know, bringing it full circle, bringing it all together. Uh, it's a really exciting time also as we're becoming more aware of the effects that our light has on us. You know, as biohackers, we're aware of uh, nutrition and hydration, exercise. And, you know, blue light is a topic. Blue light mm-hmm. is definitely a topic, but lighting in general isn't really which I find quite interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it is in some circles. I think in a part of it is that people are a little bit overwhelmed by it, right? I think that, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I live in a big, a great big house and it's an old house. And so the wiring's not the best necessarily. Um, like I was actually talking about this in a previous, a recent previous episode that I recorded, which is that I was, I was doing something in my Vitamix one day in my, in my kitchen And I was, I decided, oh, this will be cool if I shoot it as a slow motion video. And I was horrified to realize the, you know what I'm going to say? Yeah. The flicker. Yeah. The flicker from the, we have pot lights in the kitchen, which we, we previously had had really big problems with because they kept burning out all the time, which an electrician had said to us, oh, it had to do with our electrical supply coming into the room. But now we've solved that problem, but they're still, they're LED bulbs, I guess. And it's invisible to the naked eye, but as soon as you slow down the, like, as soon as I slowed down the, the, the shot, you could see this crazy flicker happening with the lighting. And I was like, oh man, oh, that can't be good. (laughs) It's crazy. Everything that you can, that's not seen to the naked eye, that everything is just being taken in by the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And, and, and the brain in this case, right? Because the eyes are an extension of your brain and this, you know, the light coming in through the eyes is it's in many ways, it's nothing more than information. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's the pathway to the brain. 
So I'm curious about the the founders of the company in a bit, like, were they also aware of the issues around light quality or did the company itself evolve to become more robust kind of in this space with time? Because usually lighting companies are, I don't know, like fixtures and, and, you know, like, I don't know, or making energy efficient bulbs or, you know, the focus is very different typically than, oh, we're going to make sure that you have access to the full spectrum of the rainbow or that, you know, the, your lighting doesn't disrupt your sleep or whatever the case might be. That's, that's not, even now there's a few bulbs out there, but it's still very new. Like I've been looking for a teeny tiny little red bulb for my salt lamp. Oh yeah. I don't know. For like two years, I can't find one anywhere. (laughs) There's so many types. Yeah. But I mean, to answer the question, the the company has been around for so long. So back then LEDs weren't a thing. Yeah. Um, So incandescents really were just the general type of light bulb. Um, So the, the inspiration, what we do is really our brand that we're known for is Chromalux, which is the original neodymium glass light source. Um, And we'll get into what neodymium is. Yes, you promised. I did promise. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very interesting sounding name. So we don't want to leave people hanging there. Um, But yeah, it was developed in Finland, as you mentioned, is interesting because Finland for most of the winter months for quite a long time doesn't have any sunlight. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, the, the concept actually for this light bulb using neodymium, there was a very similar type of technology that um, dermatologists were using in Finland. Um, and I'm sure all over Scandinavia, but specifically what my father uh, knew about were those in Finland using this type of lighting on their patient's skin to almost like see it as if it were under a magnifying glass. So neodymium, what it does is the light passes through this lens mm-hmm. <clears throat> And it actually enhances contrast, it enhances colors. So in this context, you would actually be able to see the pores very clearly, you'd be able to see the veins and the capillaries and see any, you know, changes in texture or color. So they were able to detect if there are any issues in the skin, they would be more easily able to detect it. Um, Kind of as if you were under natural sunlight, which they didn't have. (laughs) So um, it was kind of an interesting moment you know, we're using this in a lab setting. What would happen if you brought that into the home? Because mm-hmm. it's enhancing contrast, it's enhancing colors, specifically uh, the blues and the reds, Yeah, um, which is quite interesting because this is a little known thing, but the human eye or the brain actually, so we have the rods, we have the cones um, as our visual photoreceptors uh, in the eye. And the cones are responsible for daylight vision and the basically three wavelengths of color. So we have the the yellow, yellow slash green, the red and the blue, and the human brain is actually most sensitive to yellow green. Um, Interesting. It's, yeah, it's not a very well-known thing. Um, yellow, green, and specifically it's 555 nanometers. So we'll probably get into the whole electromagnetic spectrum, um, but visible light, when we talk about full spectrum light, we have There's the full spectrum, which could include UV, which is invisible, and infrared, which is invisible. And then we have this very short little narrow portion, which is visible light, um, which is essentially all the colors of the rainbow. And 
So the yellow green, 555 nanometers is right there in the middle. And there's a huge spike there where the eye actually is most receptive to it. And it's not as receptive to blue and uh, blue and red. So by attenuating this, and so the neodymium actually attenuates the signal, it allows you to see other colors and all other mixtures of colors more vibrantly. Hmm. So that's the kind of interesting point. And 555, just so listeners can get an idea, it's like a tennis ball yellow. Okay. I think that's the yellow green color. Yeah. It's that our eyes are most sensitive to. Yeah. So it's more yellow than a lime, really. It's like. Yes. Yeah. It's almost yeah. neon. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like a neon green. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, so that's really interesting. So then. And so, so you mentioned incandescent bulbs. So originally incandescent bulbs, I think a lot of people in the biohacking space kind of think back on them fondly. Oh yeah. And still, like you still, still, like you, they're hard to find, right? They are. Yeah. We still, we offer them, Um, you know, they, they have so many amazing benefits. We call them the light vitamin or the ultimate light vitamin, just because not only do they have the full spectrum capability, just out of the box, whether you get ours or just a regular run of the mill incandescent, it's going to have all the colors of the rainbow. It's also going to have um, a negligible amount of UVA, which doesn't cause any issues. Um, UVA, interestingly enough, actually is part of the visible spectrum. So it actually is visible light. Um, and it has infrared, which is what biohackers most love it for mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. the great red light and the, uh, you know, the visible red light and the invisible infrared that it provides. Um, and then ours, you know, we have ours. So it's the technologies incandescent and it passes through the glass, which has this neodymium element. So it takes that kind of what we think of as an incandescent bulb. Sometimes it has an amber or a yellow appearing light. Yeah. This is more white um, and vivid just because of the neodymium. Okay. And we're still going to get to the neodymium, but before yeah. we do that, I just want to talk a little more about some of the issues around not great light. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, we're, we're going to be all of, all over the, the benefits of the right light and, and proper lighting, but what are the, you know, let's talk a little bit and, and definitely again in the biohacking space or in the health optimization space, we, we obsess with sleep <laughs> and, you know, being exposed to the right light at the right time of day. So there's the sleep issue and then there's the circadian cycle issue, which also is linked to sleep. But, you know, we, we expound to people the value of getting out first thing in the morning and seeing natural light. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So maybe we can talk a little bit about, about that aspect of light because, you know, again, like you get people living in high rise buildings who, and especially over the last two years, like I'm, I don't know if you've, if there's anything that's come into your business about this, but over the last two years, you can imagine that people who lived in high rises who were in lockdown or not able to get outside it's it, without awareness around lack of exposure, the benefits of exposure to natural light in the middle of the winter, let's say, might not have stood out on their balcony or opened their windows. And so would have had this massive deficit of proper light exposure. Yeah. So maybe if you, if you don't mind, we could talk a little bit about what that means and how that can show up for people. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, we'll start with the importance of getting sunlight every day and how people don't really think of it. Um, 
you know, the sunlight obviously provides everything that we need. So the UV, um, I, I'm obviously the whole electromagnetic spectrum, which is invisible waves, visible as we spoke about, but the three that are most important for plant, animal, and human life are ultraviolet. So the UV, the visible, and then the infrared. Mm-hmm. And so those three portions are provided by sunlight. Um, and the most important thing and and where it kind of comes into circadian rhythm and sleep schedules and things like that is really just the presence of blue light. So people demonize blue light and they're like, Mm. oh my, it has blue light. I can't use it. And that's not true. You need blue light during the day. First thing in the morning, as you said, get outside, get some sunlight Mm -hmm. because you're going to have that pure full spectrum blue light. And so um, we spoke about the rods and the cones and there's a third photoreceptor uh, in the retina of the eye that's doesn't have anything to do with forming uh, vision or anything like that. It's an intrinsically photosensitive retinal ganglion cell. So what that means is, uh, and it has something called melanopsin inside, which is just a photopigment. And its sole job is to pick up on the presence of blue light. So blue light, if we're looking on the visible spectrum, um, it starts at around 380 nanometers. That's like the farthest extension. So you have UV, which is invisible. Then you get into the blue uh, visible light. So 380 nanometers, and it just keeps going up the colors. So Roy G. Biv all the way up until you hit red light and then infrared. So 380, around 480 or 500 is where we have this maximum absorption point for melanopsin and blue light. So the moment that our eyes, which are an extension of our brain and our hypothalamus, the moment that we pick up on that, it's a direct signal. Okay. uh, We're going to decrease melatonin. Cortisol is going to come up in its place. And if we don't have that, that's where things like seasonal affective disorder during the winter, Mm -hmm. when we don't have that sunlight to entrain to, because just like anything else in nature, um, you know, there's this, this concept of entrainment, which is our bodies are just an extension of nature. So we want to be in sync with it. So whatever the cycles are of the sunlight and nighttime and the sun going away, our bodies also want to, uh, you know, release hormones to keep us in sync. And if we don't have that, well, you know, people get depressed because serotonin is also linked to the presence of, so why do you feel so amazing? You go go outside on a sunny day and you just have like a pep in your step, right? And then it's Mm -hmm. it's a cloudy day and you're feeling a little kind of you know, down in the dumps. It's it's really, it's all intricately linked. Um, everything is linked to sunlight and to also, I would argue, the colors that you see in, which is why our light bulbs in the home, while it's not bringing the UV, which you're going to need that outside. So this is not, you know, a replacement for getting actual sunlight. It actually does enhance the interiors and everything and make you see better because of the contrast being increased. Um, just like you would outside. So there's there's this huge link between, you know, the lighting that we choose and how it makes us feel indoors. And then mm-hmm. of course the biological aspect of needing that blue light to keep us awake, to feel us to feel stimulated, to get to entrain to the circadian rhythm and for our body to know that the moment there's that blue light, it's time to wake up, um, you know, increase our heart rate, uh, digestion's gonna get going, things are gonna get going, our uh, body temperature increases and the moments that that actually decreases and, you know, it's time for the sun to set. It's kind of the opposite. So now you want, 
And, and we don't have that indoors anymore. So that's the big thing. So indoors, you really ultimately you want to be mimicking what's happening outside. But many times it's not possible. You know, we have these filters on our screens and on our phones now that are part of the operating system. You know, you have the blue screen, the blue light filter. Yeah. Um, but the same thing is with your lights. So the how bright the light is is an indication to your to your brain of you know whether there's light in the environment and the color of the light. Um, so I mean I love to use incandescents because as we'd mentioned, they don't have much blue light or red, they have a lot of red light. Right. So the red color and the infrared. Um, there are some LEDs. I know that's sometimes not the best choice in the biohacking world just because of the emf that they could potentially produce yeah um but there are red leds that that work for the same you know reason not having any blue light so those are for nighttime so basically nighttime you don't want to have any blue light and you want to dim your lights something like a candle flicker i mean ultimately would be what you would want to get to Mm -hmm. Uh, and during the day you should have bright light it gets you going in the morning uh, get outside if you can. Otherwise, turn on your overheads. Uh, have whiter light, like a whiter color temperature of light, uh, so it appears almost bluer because it has more blue in the in the uh, visible spectrum. Those are really the the main points to to feel like okay, I'm kind of having my circadian rhythm more entrained with how nature would want it. And then, but in the first thing in the morning are at the sunrise, is there not also some red and infrared light as well? Like we kind of see that red infrared at the beginning and at the end of the day in, mm -hmm. in many ways. Like I will, you know, one of the other things I talk a lot about is avoiding sunglasses, ironically, yeah, yeah. Um, during the day, right? Because, and I will also encourage my clients to get outside in the middle of the day, even if it's for a few minutes, Um because the way I, I kind of, you know, and this is, I'm sure a gross oversimplification, but it's almost like you're allowing your brain to orient itself to the time of day based on the light that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. And you're just kind of keeping everything on track. Right. So we see it first thing, like within that first hour after the sun comes up, we see it in the middle of the day. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. We're here. Check. And then by, you know, then by the end of the day, if it's possible to get out again, closer to when the sun is setting, you know, like kind of save the sunglasses for driving into the sun occasionally, like you're going to need them. Right. Like they do have a purpose. I agree. Yeah. They do have a purpose. And, but your eyes need that light. Like you can't be blocking the signal. Yeah then what's, I mean, it still is absorbed into your skin, mm -hmm. um, but that's a different pathway and it does something very different. It's not going to have the effect on the circadian rhythm as if it were coming into your eyes. And, and you actually mentioned something very interesting, which is the color of light. So as we know it, it changes during the day, right? It's more golden and red during the, uh, you know, dawn and dusk and bright and blue appearing during midday around noon. And, but it's all full spectrum light. So as you mentioned, infrared is always there. UV is always there. It's just what portions of the spectrum are more, are being reflected more at that specific time or where, where we are. Right. Um, but it's still always, always being produced and always visible. I, I mean, invisible, but still present. 
Right. It's still a factor. What do you know? And I don't know if you know anything about this, because I know this is a bit of a contentious issue. There's for the longest time we were telling people, oh, you know, there's photoreceptors on your skin. So your bedroom has to be pitch, pitch black, because if there's any light coming in from anywhere, and I mean, I, I operated with improper curtains for the longest time until I finally convinced my husband to, you know, we needed to just spend some money and get some blackout blinds. And, you know, we have a weird kind of window in an alcove that's round. Like it was a total nightmare covering this thing. (laughs) But then more recently, I've heard that there was a study that came out that said, no, there's not photoreceptors on the skin or they don't influence our circadian cycle. Do you, have you delved into that at all? Cause I mean, obviously like my room is super dark. I'm like, you know, somebody says, yes, somebody says no bottom line science isn't settled. I'm going to go with, I'm going to err on the side of caution and just keep it dark. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I do the same. I'm not so familiar with that. I have heard in the last, I had not seen that they had disproven that the last mm-hmm. I heard that it was, and it would make sense because other animals do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I don't know that it's disproven. My gut is it's disputed, right? Oh, it's disputed. So, yeah. so you know what I mean? Like, I think, I, I think that's the, that's the thing with so much of the science that we get exposed to is that everybody who makes a discovery or does something in a lab is like, that's it. I found the answer. It turns out that they're full of crap and we're right. And then you're going to have the other camp going, yeah, no, not so much. And so it ends up being, you know, a bit of a back and forth. So I'm not sure that, that it's settled just yet. I just, I just remember hearing that there was some contention that maybe it wasn't as big a deal as some people, just as I've heard on another podcast, not that long ago that, oh, you know, maybe blue light before bed doesn't have that big an impact on deep sleep. And I'm like, you know, there's such an overwhelming amount of evidence that it does. And I don't know if you track your sleep much, but I do. And yeah, and I can see a difference. If I wear my blue blockers at night, Mm -hmm. um, then I'm my deep sleep numbers generally reflect that. Yeah. And even just having sometimes if you don't have your blue light filter and you're doing some late night work, Oh, I can't, I get a headache. Yeah. But you feel the difference, you know, you can't fall asleep. That's the first thing. Yeah. Yeah. Fall asleep. Um, you know, I'm in New York city. So a lot of times you're, you're out late and everyone has their lights on and they're blue. Yeah. You realize that you can't sleep. Yeah. yeah and a lot of people don't down. know that, you know, so you, you can't shut down. The body doesn't start producing or doesn't realize what time it is. And they think, oh, it's still, there's a lot of light mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of blue light. Therefore it must be daytime. So let's continue on that, you know, on that path. You need to have that time to kind of decompress. Your body wants to kind of slowly kind of, um, ramp up the production of melatonin and it takes some time, you yeah. know, it can't just be like, Oh, it's whatever my, let's say my bedtime's 10 30. It can't be like 10 25. I'm going to turn the lights off now. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. No, the, 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 these, these things happen in cycles and melatonin production, I think happens through the day It's yes. when it gets released. And when the receptors are clear that it can start to do its thing for us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, for sure. And I've noticed that ever since 
Although I don't, I don't have my house tricked out the way I need to. So maybe we'll have a talk about that <laughs> when we're done with the podcast. I've reverted to just wearing blue light blockers. Um, but I noticed that if I, if I'm somewhere else or in it, and it's at night and I don't have my blue light blockers with me, if you, if I make the mistake of turning on a light late, mm-hmm. it's, I find it blinding. Like I've become almost yeah. hypersensitive to bright lights at night. It's, it's quite amazing to me that we're not as tuned into it as we, and we're not, we're not as like, we've, I don't know, we've kind of normalized it. And when you think about little kids or babies who get exposed to bright lights at night, and then we wonder why they're not settling or sleeping properly. And why they're cranky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. I mean, there's so many things that just as we mentioned, or you mentioned at the very beginning, light is such a basic component of our lives, yet we don't really get it right. Mm-hmm. It's mostly because not only do we have the biological, um, you know, the physiological aspect of what light does to us, but also it's confusing. There's so many different types of light bulbs. There's so many different types of fixtures that you can find in a house. I mean, we speak to people all the time and they don't know even where to start. Yeah. You know, even the different shapes of light bulbs, you know, if you have the high hat floods in your ceiling, you know, you have to use a specific uh, reflector flood bulb in there to get the most out of it. You wouldn't just put like a normal light bulb, yet a lot of people think that you can, and I don't blame them. I probably wouldn't know the difference if I wasn't involved in lighting. So there's so much we can talk about lighting design and and that side of things. And then there's also, you know, the health and light aspect. So there is a lot to kind of deconstruct around lighting. Mm-hmm. So I really don't blame people. So the issues that people deal with, with light, you know, the health issues that people often will deal with around light deficiency, let's say, you know, and I mean, I know that there's one guy in the space, I think it's Matt Maluka talks about the light diet, right? Mm. So we talk about a food diet, like what we eat. We talk about exercise, as you said earlier, but really there's almost should be a prescription for light as well. I in love our lives. light diet. Yes. I hunt. Absolutely. And that's such a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always tell people when it comes to lighting, it's how does the light make you feel? So at a specific moment, is there enough for what you're doing? Is there too little? Mm -hmm. Um, Is the color correct? And yeah, I mean, it it all comes down to how do you see things, right? Because I, I like to argue that how you see things in the world you see is really only as beautiful as the light that you're viewing it through. Because if it's not for light, we don't really see. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And you know, what's interesting is I think there's that, you know, people refer to, and I think photographers are very familiar with this, is that golden hour at Mm. the end of the day. I know that we're not, we're at our cottage, like we have a a lake house on, on the water and there's a very particular time of day as the sun is going down, but before it, long before it disappears over the horizon, it hits a certain place And all of a sudden the light is amazing. Like we look at our, you know, you look into the forest and everything is just popped. And that's when you want to take your pictures. Like that's the, if there was ever a time of day to take pictures, it's that time of day. High noon turns out to be the worst because of all the blue, I guess. Right. It's, I think it's mostly just the presence of all the colors. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you just touched on something that's very important. It's like, how do you feel in that moment when you mm-hmm. see that gorgeous landscape? 
it's that's one aspect of lighting. It's just how does it make you feel and what are you able to see and the colors you're able to see um, and the texture and everything, especially through a forest. All of a sudden you see that the leaves are kind of shiny and it's just, mm-hmm. it's really a miraculous thing. Um, but most lighting just sucks, you know, <laughs> you know, to just put it plainly. It, yeah. It's really not, most people don't know where to even start but I would say start with the colors, not just the color temperature that you're seeing and, and whether there's blue light or not, but also how does how do colors appear and how well can you see? Because reading and just eyes is a huge thing when it comes to LEDs. A lot of people are concerned um, or they say that they can't read as well. And sometimes a lot of it has to do with the flicker, mm-hmm. um, you know, that invisible flicker. But you really, those those two components when it comes to lighting in the house are really important, you know? So other than knowing the shape, it's the color, the eyes, how like clearly you can see and how well and vividly you can see your interior. Yeah, no, for sure. So actually you bring up a good point, nighttime reading. So my husband reads before bed every night and I had to buy a special pillow to put over my head so that I could, I could literally, he reads under this, you know, and it's a cheap little fixture that he just loves from, well, I won't mention where it's from, but all it is, it's this tiny little, I guess it's an LED bulb. It's, I, I imagine it's the kind of thing people would use in a torture chamber because it is so bright. And so he point, and it's on this like little flexible thingy, and he points it at his book and he claims this is the only way he could possibly read before bed. And I'm like, just get better glasses. So what would be, <laughs> and I sit there and I go, okay, well, I'm not going to read before bed because if that's my only option, I mean, yeah, I want to read a book, but I, I, I can't, like it hurts my eyes literally to have that kind of light on. So what would, in your estimation, like what would be a better light for nighttime reading when before bed? <laughs> I, I just love that description because I know that little, that little thing. <laughs> yeah. With the clip. <laughs> yeah. I know they actually, they make one with a red light now. So maybe he's interested in that. (laughs) So, but is red light reading a thing? Like, can you read with red light? Because I can, yeah. He would, he would argue, I can't see a damn thing. I'm just falling asleep. I'm like, well, that's the point. You want to fall asleep, but. Yes, tell him you're protecting the circadian rhythm and that there's so much white light in that, that he's going to get better sleep by using the red one. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's that option. Um, what I do is I just use, um, one of our incandescents, like a low wattage incandescent in my bedside table lamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really, I mean, one of the, like an ultimate option that you can use, um, low wattage, of course, just because you don't want to have bright light. Right. So when you oh. say low wattage, are you saying like 40 to 60 watts or even lower 25 lower than that? Yeah. Sorry, 25, mm-hmm. which are hard to find. Um, I actually have one right here. This one is, it's like a candle bulb. Like a candelabra one. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But it has a, a regular medium socket, medium base socket. So it goes into a regular lamp and this one's 25 Watts, which I find it's perfect for nighttime for reading, you know, mm-hmm. um, you could use a 60 Watt as well. Yeah. But it's softer light in general. <laughs> it's softer than that damn little spotlight thingy. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I've come out of the bathroom a couple of times and it's like pointing out at me. It's blinding. It's like come a laser. On. I know I've had one of those. Yeah. 
It's it's awful. Let's talk about where people can start, because like I said, I think that this is a great conversation. And then people, frankly, even if you have an apartment, like if you start counting all the bulbs and the different fixtures in your apartment, it adds up really fast. And so are people supposed to change all the bulbs or is there a solution where they can have certain lamps in a room that they only use at night and just avoid the overheads? Like, what would you- I love this question. Yeah, Yeah. because it is overwhelming otherwise. Um, I always tell people, if just kind of get the maximum dose that you can of good light when it's most important. So obviously at night, try maybe an incandescent or a red LED, Mm -hmm. especially in your bedroom. Like I would definitely start in your bedroom. Uh, If you have overheads and you don't want to kind of get involved with that and you're not sure, then just turn them off. You shouldn't even have them on during the day. Um, It's very easy to just get little table lamps, floor lamps, whatever little fixtures that you need. And what I love about them is they're just so accessible. You can, you don't have to get on a ladder to go and change a light bulb. You have them right there. You can just unscrew it, change a light bulb if you don't like it. Um, So I would start there definitely, because that's going to help you determine what light helps you sleep the best. Um, And then I would also say when you're working is in another important time. So, you know, in your office, same thing, overheads during the day. So if you're working during the day, which I hope you are and not at night, um, then you should have something that's a little bit whiter. Okay. Whiter color temperature. So in the color, you know, the Kelvin temperature scale, will, when you look at light bulbs, anything from around 4,000 to 5,000 is perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be super blue, which is kind of the blinding blue. Yeah. Um, you know, when you think of sunlight, it's about 5,000 to 6,500 Kelvin. So it's going to have a lot of the blue light. But during daytime when you're working, 4,000 to 500, I'm sorry, 5,000 or 5,500 is perfect. Um, and then use something, you know, like our Chromalux bulbs that enhance colors and reading, use that on a desk, um, just to enhance the space around you because it improves how you feel. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. want to feel inspired. Like I have, can't really see it now cause it will start glaring everywhere, but I have so many, I have my overheads. I have a lamp over there. I have a desk lamp over there and one behind my main computer. If I don't have that light, it's, I can't work. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, I could, but it's not, I don't feel as inspired, you know? Right. Right. And And so these are incandescent bulbs. The ones I have two halogens and incandescent and then overhead, I have some of our full spectrum fluorescence. So, okay. So that's okay. So you just said something really interesting here. So you said halogens and incandescence. I would have thought both halogens and incandescent, not incandescence, fluorescent, the halogen and the fluorescent to me, like fluorescent, I, I, I would have thought, big fat no-no, like don't even go there. Um, Yeah. Right. And halogen's another one that, you know, I guess because it's associated with very, very specific spectrums that tend to be too bright or too white. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you know, like, I mean, I guess I'm in a world where I'm sitting, I've been really confused by this because in a world where you can't find incandescence, it's like, what are you supposed to do? And fluorescence, I, I associate fluorescence with the old strip fluorescent that was that's above in the ceiling in the basement of my cottage that flicker and like they buzz and they do all kinds of weird things. Yeah. So, so it is those fluorescents. We have the ones that I'm using, uh, the flickering and the buzzing 
interestingly doesn't come from the light bulb. It comes from the ballast. Okay. So it's the power source. Yeah. It's the power source. Yeah. The bulb itself, I have ones that are, I think they're actually 3,700 Kelvin. So that's why it doesn't look very white and glaring because I couldn't mm-hmm. work under that either. Right. Um, so it's really, it depends. And, and actually halogen is a very great light source. A lot of people are scared of them because I think you think of uh, car headlights. Um, and it's essentially when you think of it in a light bulb form, which I don't have one here, but I mean, this is just a, this is an incandescent, but the glass shell is one part of the light bulb. And then inside here, we have the incandescent filament in a halogen. It's basically, you have like another light bulb in there. Right. Um, but because it's protected by this shell, you can handle it. So I know a lot of people ask, can I touch a halogen light bulb or with the oils on my fingers? Yes. Not that to burn. It's only if you touch the actual bulb inside bulb inside. Exactly. So a car headlamp, for example. You don't want to touch those because that's just an exposed um, halogen. When it's in like a typical lamp, then that's fine. It's protected by the glass envelope. And what's the quality of light we're getting from the halogen? Yeah. So it's essentially halogen is just an enhanced incandescent. So yeah, which it's not very well known, but it's actually, you have the incandescent filament. So you have that same filament and all it is, it's encapsulated in quartz, which is what you see as a little extra light bulb. And there's a halogen gas um, inside. And so what it does is it does make it a little bit bluer, but it's Mm -hmm. not. So I would say like ours, for example, is 4,200 Kelvin. Okay. Or 4,100 around there. Um, It's very beautiful. It's very pure. It's not blue at all. And it's, I think the, the best part is most incandescents will fade over time. So mm-hmm. as they burn out, they get kind of dark. I don't know if you remember, like on the incandescence, they start to blacken. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's ending, you know, the life is, or the, the lifespan's almost over. Um, with halogens, what it is, is, as it burns, it's redeposited. So all the ions are redeposited onto the filaments rather than onto the glass shell. I see. So it just allows it to burn a little bit brighter and more efficiently and keep the bulb clear. Nice. So continuing on the halogen. So is there a particular time of day for particular bulbs? Yeah. Yes. So that's where this perfect segue. So where we went into night times and, and kind of changing out the fixtures there, um, whether it's a red led or an incandescent because they have low blue light output naturally during the day, halogen is a perfect, um, option because it's going to be just a bluer version of the incandescent. So it's still going to have that amazing infrared energy. Mm-hmm. And infrared, of course, is the, so a lot of people get upset. Oh, these bulbs get very hot, mm-hmm. but that heat isn't really wasted energy. It's infrared, which is used by us. Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, except we have lampshades and all this stuff over them. So I guess you don't get the benefit at that point. Yes, you can. Uh, I, can't, I can't show it here, but I have that's why I use lamps without lampshades. So they're actually directional. Mm-hmm. They're okay. like floodlights, okay. regular bulbs in. So I highly recommend using something like that um, rather than just a, a standard uh, table lamp with a shade around it, which is an amazing option as well, just because you're going to diffuse the light and just for general purposes, it's amazing. But 
when you're working. And that's when we had mentioned to have those. Mm -hmm. I like to have all the benefits of the light on me. So I have one here, which I can probably show you. Mm -hmm. Oof, I don't know if you can see it, but it's basically, it's one of these desk lamps. Oh, perfect. And yes. it's got a bulb inside it. So something like that would be perfect. It's a halogen actually. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. So see when it's shining on you, that you're still getting all that benefit of the infrared. Okay, I'm going to do that because, you know, you can never have enough infrared in your life. There we go. And it never light, and enough lights, you know? Doesn't it just mm -hmm. feel better to have that light on and it just... It does. And I'm also more lit up. It was... Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes you walk into people's homes and it's very dark and they don't even... My parents' run. house is the worst. I know. I know. And, and you don't... They don't think of it. And that's... Like, why I'm... are you sitting in the dark? <laughs> Exactly. Why are you sitting in the dark? It's daytime. Go outside. You're going to feel better yeah. Bring inside. You know, it's not nighttime yet, mm -hmm. but that's the thing I think. And that's my whole goal is to really reintroduce the idea of lighting in the home and right. making it feel better. And it should not be dark inside during the day. So can we talk a bit about LEDs? Cause I'm again, like I've been left with the impression that LEDs are bad and I'm guessing that it's more nuanced than LEDs are bad. Everything so, is nuanced, right? I know. And I mean, I know these things about, about food and supplementations, you know, like fat is bad. No, fat's not bad. I mean, some fats are bad. Some fats are good. It depends on the person, but let's talk a little bit about it. Cause you know, at this point, like it's all, it's a lot easier to find an LED than it is to find anything else. I mean, halogens, you you can find pretty easily and i now feel better about my halogen bulbs i'm going to run out and get a bunch of these fixtures let's talk a bit about leds and and it was interesting what you said also about the fluorescent in that well actually it wasn't the bulb that was the problem it's the, it's the power supply that's the issue yes um and so i guess my kitchen light is not an led problem as much as it's a fixture problem if that's the one that's flickering right yeah it's well the leds are interesting so those do flicker um, they, do flicker. Okay. they do flicker. You can get ones if they run, I believe it's on DC voltage rather than AC. If it's on direct current, which is DC, then it's not going to be essentially what the flicker is. It's turning on and off very quickly. Yeah. 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 Which is AC. Which is AC. Voltage. Which is our right. normal line voltage. So you can find ones that will not flicker. The thing that is tricky well, we'll kind of get into the whole nuance part. LEDs are great because you can do so much with them. They're bench, they're just a bunch of diodes um, that are creating visible light. And you can change the color of the diodes to get different colors and different uh, spectra. Where it gets dangerous or not dangerous, but murky is that they're really used, or I would say their forte, of course, is their energy efficiency. Mm -hmm. So they don't use a lot of energy. You know, you can have, and it also it gets confusing because some people will be like, well, this says a hundred Watts. Is that a hundred Watt? Is that what it's drawing from the power source? You know, and it's not, it's no. actually maybe 12, eight Watts. It's yeah. giving light of a hundred. Yeah. That's the Ikea bulbs. That's that Ikea bulb thing where, you know, you go to Ikea and they're like, it's a thousand Watts, but it's, but it's oh. only eight or 12 watts or any, any bulb now. Yeah. Like yeah. any, any led will say um, they're essentially nutrition facts, but for the bulbs, it's the lighting facts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it will give you how long it should last the lumens, which is just the brightness of the bulb. Um, the wattage, the wattage is just how much it draws, how much energy it draws. So usually 
100 watt equivalent. So 100 watt equivalent being of an incandescent, like an old mm -hmm. fashioned bulb. So for example, if I have this bulb here and it says 60 watts, this is a 60 watt incandescent. It gives a light of 60 and it is 60 watts. Right. An LED version. This one's frosted. This is an LED. You can almost see the diodes inside. Yeah. Um, this is equivalent to a 60 watt, but it only uses eight watts. Huh. Okay. So it's much more energy efficient. It's much more energy efficient. And then in terms of light quality? So light quality. Yeah. That's where, you know, so we do have ours. This is using our glass. So it mitigates a lot of the issues that you would get normally with kind of murky appearing light. Sometimes LEDs can, you can't really distinguish between colors or contrast. It's hard to read under. I mean, that's the biggest complaint we get from, from our uh, customers, which mm -hmm. is why they're going away from LED. They feel they can't read under it. It hurts their eyes. It's hard to focus. Um, and the light quality is just kind of dull, I guess would be the best way to put it. Um, you know, so with our glass or the neodymium that we put in our glass, what it does is it basically just eliminates that factor. You're still getting, of course, the LED factor. So there is some EMF that's produced to so some people mm -hmm. that are extremely sensitive to EMF. It's not going to be a great option for them. Yeah. You know, halogen and incandescents are the best and even low voltage. So halogens are great. Just going back to halogens for a second, because you can get, um, we were talking about line voltage, which is 100, 120 or usually in the US, 120 volts. Mm -hmm. That's what's coming into the home. If you drop that to 12 volts, which is what some track lighting systems, they will drop it to 12 volts. So you can use a halogen in there that produces quite a lot of light and it's very pure light, but it's running on lower voltage. So there's less EMF. Hey folks, just a quick minute to thank our sponsor for this episode, Oxford HealthSpan, makers of Primadine, the only spermidine supplement that I personally use and recommend to my clients and family. Spermidine has earned a permanent spot on my longevity stack. Research has shown that spermidine positively impacts six of the nine hallmarks of aging, including protecting your DNA from damage as you age. Regular users also experience visible results after just one to three months, including better hair, skin, nails, and deeper sleep. I choose Primadine because it is the only spermidine supplement on the market that is free of any additives or excipients, while including a prebiotic to feed your own bacteria to make more of your own spermidine. And now Primadine also has a gluten-free version. To try Primadine, go to primadine.com and use discount code BIONAT15 to save 15% off your purchase. And now let's get back to the episode. So when you say they drop the voltage, there's something, there's a mechanism in, in the, there's a transformer in the track lighting that basically siphons the voltage coming in. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, like so a dam, sort of. Exactly. It's a, it's a low voltage, low voltage track. Okay. Um, so that's a lot of people. I didn't even, I wasn't aware of that until we had some customers letting us know that they do use, because usually the thing is, I mentioned halogens, people are resistant because mm -hmm. they don't know about halogens. I explain and they're like, oh, okay. Then you get some people that I am expecting they're going to be resistant. And then they said, oh no, I use low voltage track halogens uh, just because you know I had an EMF specialist and they recommended that I install these. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So that, that's another great thing with halogens as well. 
And actually, I want to say something because a lot of people will be listening to this podcast. They won't see the bulb that you just held up. So oh, yeah. <laughs> if, if people are watching on YouTube, you've obviously seen the bulb. But for people who are listening, the, the other bulb you were holding, it was kind of like a bluey tint, the halogen. Yeah, that one on in your left hand, my right yeah. left. Mm-hmm. Um, so for people listening... The bulb that Talia is holding here looks, it's really interesting looking. It's its kind of frosted, but it almost has a purpley hue to it. And then inside the actual halogen bulb, I guess it looks like it might be yellow or orange. Yeah. So that's the LED. That's Those the are LED, the sorry. The, mm-hmm. And then this one in my right hand is, so what you mentioned, the frosted. Yeah. Uh, all the LEDs are coming in frosted glass. Oh, so that's an LED. Okay. So I got super confused. Okay. So that's, so I've never seen an LED, first of all, that had the shape of a regular, what I why I consider to be a regular bulb. Um, I always associate LEDs with little bitty bulbs or. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 So that's basically just inside. Yeah. So the LEDs inside, and then you've recreated the normal bulb shape that we know yes. uh, that we're more familiar with, even from incandescent days. But so now the color of the glass, does that have to do with the neodymium? It does. That we, okay. Yeah. So we're going to talk about neodymium now because I'm basically dying of curiosity. I want to know what it is and what it does. Okay. So this, and just also, this yeah. is a clear one. This is incandescent. So you can see inside, Yeah. Um, but it comes in a frosted version. Okay. So it's basically going to look like this, but it's a filament inside. So the technology is the first layer, the layer of what is produce, producing the light, whether it's a, um, an incandescent filament, a halogen burner, it's called a halogen burner or an LED diode. Okay. So that's step one. Step two is the shape of the bulb. So this is an A19. This is like your standard household lamp. This is one step larger, A21. So they're mm-hmm. both normal. So it's just a bigger bulb. Okay. Mm -hmm. A21. So this is like upside down pear shape. This is a candelabra. So it's called B10. Same thing. It's clear using our glass incandescent on the inside. The base is a normal screw base. This one is. So that's that floodlight you were mentioning earlier. Yeah. So So that's for the pot lights like that use those. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a small one. This is R25. So it has our frosted, they, the, these also come in frosted or clear glass. So this portion is frosted. So you can't see inside. We also mm-hmm. have one where it's clear and you can see the filament inside. That's also using our glass. So that's just the shapes. Right. right. So neodymium is an earth element. So it is very commonly found in the earth's crust. It's basically like copper. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's a metallic elements that you you find. And in its oxidized form, it turns this beautiful color. And the very interesting thing is what it does to colors, you know, it enhances colors, but it itself right now you see it's purple. Yeah. Kind of like a lavendery, like a, like a lavender. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Some people say almost kind of pink, but it's more lavender. Yeah. Um, you can't really see here because all the light is the same source. If you were to go under a fluorescent light, this would look blue. Hmm. So it does change color. You can even look online. Um, they make beautiful glass sculptures using this type of glass just because it is a beautiful color and it changes color. I always find that to be very fascinating. And a lot of people actually call in. They're like, I don't know if this is your bulb. It looks blue. And on the <laughs> website, it looks it looks purple. And it's just because of the light you're using, the way that it's actually refra- refracting and what it's re- reflecting back to you. Okay. Um, 
So neodymium has this absorption band that we spoke about in the very beginning at 555 nanometers, which is the yellow green or tennis ball yellow. And we use it just because, I mean, it's used in so many things. It has many applications. You'll find them in magnets. Um, I think it's used, not the oxidized version. So it won't look in its natural form. It, it just looks like a metal uh-huh. um, in its oxidized form. It has this beautiful lilac. So are you kind of crushing the neodymium and incorporating it into the glass? Yes. Yeah, so it's, you know, uh, most light bulbs are using silica glass. So mm-hmm. with the normal um, glass, you just add the neodymium in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's a special formula of incorporating the compound into the glass. Interesting. Yeah. And so it's going to reflect the light differently as the light is produced in the bulb. It's going to deliver the light through different. It's like a filter. Yeah. It's it's a filter filter. Mm -hmm. Um, or an amplifier in the case of colors. So it's filtering out the yellow, which we're so sensitive to, but since we're so sensitive, just by absorbing a little bit, you're still able to see it of course, the yellow, and you're able to see all the ones that we're not able to see so well, the blues and the reds, even because oh, we're blinded by the yellow. Almost. That's like a good way of putting Overabundance of yellow. There's yeah. an overabundance. It's like that signal is so high. Yeah. The other ones are kind of pushed down. Okay. So by, by pulling the yellow down, you can see the other colors and it's hard to see, but I always use blue. Like I have a blue pen here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put the light on it. And it's probably hard to tell, but it should look a little bit more vibrant. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell on the video. Yeah, it's harder to tell on video, yeah. I think. Yeah. But the whole purpose is, I mean, I see it as right here, I'm under the fluorescence. It's not having the same effect as when I hold it underneath. Actually, wow, it's crazy. <laughs> I don't often do this, but the difference when you look under, so even if you're to look under your halogen, yeah, you know? Halogens on their own are great. So that's what I was saying at the very beginning. Incandescence and halogen, they will have this beautiful light, but yours is a little bit more yellow than what ours is because right. of the neodymium. Right. So you will use neodymium in the halogen bulb and also in the LED? In all the bulbs that we use. All the bulbs that you do. Uh, so any bulb that's Chromalux, which is our brand, is a neodymium glass shell. And so that's the piece of it that makes it a full spectrum bulb. That is the part that makes it a full spectrum in terms of the colors being really vibrant. Yes. Okay. So then you would want these bulbs in your house, wherever you can put, you can position them. Really, this is like a daytime bulb and it's giving you access to like basically a a more vibrant kind of like beautiful photograph as opposed yeah. to it being a little light or a little heavy on the yellows or a little, whatever the case, like it just balances out your lights, the, the colors in your home mm-hmm. kind of deal. It's essentially like Photoshop for real life. Nice. That's, a, that's <laughs> how I, I was trying to explain it once to someone. They're like, Oh, like Photoshop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is, you know, if you ever work with these editing softwares and you can, even on your phone, you can kind of enhance your photo, you have the photo and then you have the vivid version. Right. And essentially this is like, these bulbs create the vivid version of what your interior looks like. And that's why it makes you feel better because it's just the intricate link between what things look like and how you feel. And so for people who suffer from SAD, using this kind of bulb inside would be hugely beneficial, I would think, because 
it's going to give you a rich, more of that spec, like you're having a more balanced diet, if you will, of light. Yes. Yeah. The key you just said, like a balanced diet, you need Mm -hmm. a balanced light spectrum. Yeah. Not natural to have only one portion or this portion, um, which is what we're doing with visible light. We're forgetting the entire spectrum. Mm-hmm. We're just picking and choosing what we want out of it, which yeah. in some scenarios is fine. Um, but I, I would say for optimal well-being, you want to like have food. It's, I mean, like it's like food, right? You you adopt these crazy diets where you're only eating one type of food for a really long time and you end up creating yeah. imbalances in your body quite often. So in Finland, for example, when they are living in eternal night, but basically, so they somehow figured out that this type of bulb would be beneficial to people to have them using them during the day, mm-hmm. what's supposed to be the day. <laughs> so that, because basically you could say that people in Finland are living in an environment that is not well suited to human, to humans. It's quite interesting. Yeah. You would say it's not because we need to have those, you know, night, day, diurnal system. Yeah, you need the cues. Yeah. You need those cues. Um, and, and it's probably why they were the ones to use these in lab scenarios. And yeah. we weren't. Necessity <laughs> you know? is the mother of invention, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, but we should all be, I mean, what it does is so beautiful that that was the purpose of Chromalux and why we brought it, um, you know, to, to people and, and to homes to really, it, the difference that you feel and how you see, and actually it's been recommended. We didn't talk about the vision, but vision is a huge part. Um, you know, if you can't see well, or if you feel like your eyes are straining, you feel tired. Yes. Think clearly. Um, especially that's why I recommend it. If you're working, have these bulbs on because while your screen, you can't really fix what's happening on your computer screen. If you're writing anything or typing or just your general eyes and the status of your eyes during the day, um, to keep them feeling fresh, of course, you want to close your eyes, look away from the screen, things like that. Um, but the neodymium actually in- enhances the contrast. So they've done studies on people using regular incandescence and our incandescence and found that visual acuity scores were higher. So visual acuity is basically, you know, cover one eye. Can you read these lines? You know, mm-hmm. eye doctor, how crisp and how clearly you can see things. It actually our bulbs will increase visual acuity because of pulling down that yellow and enhancing. So it just rebalances things in a way more similar. Um, We we get a lot of painters and artists that use these bulbs in their studio. Mm -hmm. The reason that you can see the colors better. So when you're mixing, it's very similar to, you know, you see a lot of people painting outdoors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do that because they can see everything. Right. And, And light filtered through a window doesn't give you the same light. You're losing it does. It's pieces. Or do you is it the same or it's the same. The only thing that you might not be getting is the UV, but that's invisible. So in terms of the visible light, it is the same. Oh, you are getting it. Okay. Yeah. So but okay. some people don't have windows and mm-hmm. I feel for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So the neodymium really is an enhancer of, of what we're gonna see of light. Oh, I know what I was gonna ask you. So does this reduce eye strain to some degree? Yes. A hundred percent. Because you were just talking about it's it's great in your work environment if you're painting if you're yes you know, if you're- eye strain for the reason that it, it enhances contrast. So if you open up a book, 
a regular book, a paperback. Yeah. And look at the back in the old days. Yeah. Back in those old days, right? Um, the black text on the on the white page, it almost has a 3D effect where it's lifting off of the page. Wow. Versus a regular bulb. So because of the contrast, it makes things crispy. If that's mm-hmm. a good way to, mm-hmm. to um, which is why we say it's like Photoshop. Because in Photoshop, what do we do? We enhance the saturation of colors and we enhance the contrast. Interesting. So for nighttime reading, you would you could maybe get away with a lower wattage, like less, not like not as blinding light, let's say. <laughs> that's what that's why I recommended this little guy. Um yeah. lower wattage and it's using our glass so you're able to see better, even though it's a low light huh. um, condition you still have this glass that enables you to see things under better contrast. So it's low light, but it's high contrast. I love that. Okay. So that was the candelabra bulb. So basically yeah. the, the the magic is in that purple glass. Basically. Yeah. Because this is just incandescence. Yeah. Yeah. Filaments, right. It's, it's the purple glass that really makes the difference here. Yeah. I mean, we do have, it's a well-constructed, you know, we have a different type. It's a brushed chrome um, socket. So it prevents corrosion. Um, we have two, what are they called? The things that hold the filament in place mm-hmm. versus one. Um, so it enhances the the life of the bulb, but really just the main thing of what makes a chromalux bulb chromalux is the, is the neodymium in the glass. I love it. Okay. Well, now we know what neodymium is guys. The, day, yeah. the word of the day is neodymium. <laughs> And if you can spell that, you get extra bonus points. Okay. And then save the red lights. And at at some point, a red light is a red light is a red light. I mean, I know that if I wear my dark blue blockers at night, again, Mm -hmm. I've talked about this. People are sick of, probably sick of hearing me say this, but I fall asleep in front of the TV. Like I literally can't stay awake. It, it, it's cut out the blue light, which is exactly what you want. It's that's what you want. Yeah. It's super annoying because you get to watch the opening credits and the closing credits of so many shows and movies. Occasionally you wake up in the middle and see something and then you fall right back asleep again. But, you know, and that is really the, it, that is really all people should need to know. Right. And that is that if that's the effect of bringing red into your life and, and it puts you to sleep, then clearly this is what we need to be doing at night so that we get better sleep. Yes. And the opposite in the morning. Yes. And the opposite in the morning to help us wake up. So, and then I'm, I'm also a huge fan and I don't know if your company gets into this at all, but I'm a huge fan of red light night lights. I think there's a huge market for this. I don't think there's nearly enough of them out in the market, but you know, again, like I had, I used to have this, that's why I'm looking for that teeny tiny bulb. And if you can help me find a teeny tiny bulb, you win the prize, even a white one, because I have this, this funny little nightlight that plugs into the wall. That's actually a little salt lamp. And I like that. Yeah. And, and so even with a low watt light white bulb, it's amazing the difference between that and turning on the light in the washroom. And it burnt out. Like all my bulbs are burning out these days. Apparently I was, I've been prepping to speak with you, Um, (laughs) but again, like red light, like it never made sense to me having these night lights that are white light. Why not have like um, a red or a rose or something in the reds that is just so much more gentle on the system and allows us not to kill ourselves or stub our toes or whatever. And I mean, this is perhaps off topic, but I just thought of something I recently did. If you have a salt lamp, um, that doesn't have a bulb inside, which I might think it might be a halogen, like a just mm-hmm. a small one. You could take your husband's 
night lamp and shine <laughs> it on. I've did this recently because my my um Himalayan lamp recently also it burnt out. Oh, and I'm trying to look for the, the little bulb. Oh, you're Maybe. looking for the bulb too? Looking for the bulb too. <laughs> so let me know if you find it. No, I think you guys need to start making one. <laughs> just I know I was thinking of it, but then it would it would be just a regular bulb. Um, but you can take that LED and point it like just at the cleats. Yes, and it starts glowing. I know, but then but then you have the LED on and, and it's super bright. So no, it it diffuses it. Oh, you shine it through the the salt. Yes. You just okay. place it against it and then it's still a light source, but it's mm-hmm. a, it's the same thing. It's just glowing like a, like a normal salt lamp would. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going with the solution where, um, get the starts making those little bitty bulbs. Or that. I don't care if you make them incandescent led halogen, any which way you want. <laughs> Cause I even went on Amazon and ordered a whole, cause I found, I'm like, Oh my God, I found little tiny little red bulbs. I was so excited. So I bought a whole box. I have 25, wrong size red bulbs. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what to do with them. I'm like, I don't want to throw them away. I, 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 I don't know who to donate them to. They're just sitting in my bedroom now for a year. <laughs> and that's the thing with the shapes of bulbs, right? People don't know. So we're actually, um, we don't have it up live on our site, but we do have a bunch of blog posts. And that's the next one that we posted is a whole article, you know, going through every shape and every fixture that you would find in a normal modern home yeah to put in there because we get those questions all the time and the size of the socket right the like it's, it's socket. Mm-hmm. which i guess is the e15 e21 business also does that refer to the size of the socket yeah so e20 like the base yeah e26 is this regular one right you'll see called medium base so that's just a standard uh socket screw in. yeah so that's just a screw in. and what about the ones that have the little pegs Okay, that's probably the GU10. It's like a twist. Yeah. It's in lock. Yeah, yeah that's the, what I have in the ceiling in my kitchen. The mm-hmm. Those are GU10. Okay. Yeah, so we'll go through all of those in, in the blog post if people are interested. Um, but basically, it's just the medium is the regular. So in flood bulbs like this is, or a regular A-shape standard household bulb for your, yeah. for your desk the lamp. Upside down. That's the upside down pair, guys. The yeah. upside down pair, yeah. Yeah. They all have that regular screw base, okay. Um, but then you have candelabra bulbs. So basically, this bulb, but with the this is a regular screw base, the E twenty six medium. But then it also comes in the little skinny version, which is the E twelve candelabra. So a lot right. of people are familiar with those. Yeah, most people are familiar with the E twenty six and E twelve. Okay, and then U ten, as you mentioned, which is the twist and lock, the twisty twisty one. Are the Lumeram bulbs available in? like regular stores or is it the kind of thing that you would just order from your site? I would suggest ordering it from our site just because you find all the bulbs there. And otherwise you do find them in some health food stores have them. Okay. So you wouldn't find them like at cost at um, not Costco at um, whatchamacallit Lowe's or Home Depot. You wouldn't No. Okay. Uh, You'd only find them in, in specialty health food uh, type grocers, some yoga studios uh, carry them. Interesting. So spe- specialized, um, holistic. Yeah, sensors. lighting. Yeah. yeah. So that's so interesting, right? That you actually have to seek out special bulbs. Yes. Oh, and some art stores actually. For and, the of course, for the painters. Yes. That so they sense. are sold in health food stores and um, art supply stores. So big ones like Dick Blick or um, what's the other one? I can't think of it now. 
the, the main two that you would find on uh, Jerry's Artorama. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Or there's, there's the, there's your website, which we will get to in a minute. Or there's our website, which has everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now is there anything we didn't cover? Anything we didn't talk about? We wanted to talk about. Thanks. We went over neodymium finally, um, earth elements that's in our glass, mm-hmm. what it does. We had written down light therapy to talk about. Maybe before we finish, we should talk sure. a little bit about light therapy and what that is and how that helps people. Sure. Yeah. And it's interesting because now if you look on, or I recently Googled, just, I was looking something up and you type in light therapy, you get red light therapy mm-hmm. and you don't really get anything about what we're talking about, which is SAD light therapy. Yeah. Which is seasonal right, affective disorder, light therapy. Disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Like winter blues, um, yeah. which is when you don't get enough of the sunlight during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and why a lot of us feel kind of sluggish, a little bit lethargic during the winter months. It's really because if we're not getting that light, the blue light input, mm-hmm. our bodies just don't function the same way. It's you need to be entrained this light and dark signal. So light therapy in the form of these specialized boxes. Um, I don't have one on my desk right now, but normally I do. Now that it's summer, I don't need it as much. So you're talking um, about like that. I've, I've seen them like it's like a screen almost and it lights like a, from the back. Like yeah, like almost like an iPad. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a, a pad. And so that uses LEDs in it. And they're cool because you can change the color temperature. So you can have them whiter or a little bit warmer. You can change the intensity and how bright the light is. Um, they also come in boxes. So we have these old school, they almost look like suitcases, like mm-hmm. a briefcase, um, you know, metal briefcase that is outfitted with full spectrum fluorescence. Um but not the ones that I have over here. These are kind of more red. Mm-hmm. They would have the really bright white ones that are, I think they're using 5,500 or 5,000 Kelvin um, in color temperature. And that's, you know, we didn't really touch on fluorescence, but fluorescence are also wonderful for light therapy. Or if you're working in an office that has overheads and you wanted to switch to something that we use, a full spectrum fluorescence, it's going to be much better than your run-of-the-mill one. Uh, yeah. Just the colors and the color rendering index and things like that, how you see colors. Um, but yes, during the day, and especially for SAD therapy and light therapy, the light is intense. So you don't use it for more than 30 minutes. And it has to be, of course, I've seen things online where it says, you can have your eyes closed as long as it's touching your skin. It's not the same thing where it gets confusing. You need to have your eyes open mm-hmm. to entrain, you know, your circadian rhythm. Get so that, that information in. Yeah. You need that light to come in through the eyes. Um, so your eyes should be open, but you don't want to be staring directly at it. So let's say you're working on a computer. I would have it off to my side. So the light is coming in peripherally mm-hmm. um, to my open eyes, of course. 30 minutes. I mean, most people you should try and see. The cool thing is you will feel a response. So even if I were to turn one on right now, I would feel like I just had a shot of espresso. And oh, you start to feel like a little bit energized mm-hmm. when you too much, you start to feel agitated. That's okay. Yeah. It's your way of knowing like, okay, it's time to, it's too much. It's extremely bright. It's around 10,000 lux. So lux is just a measure of brightness in terms of how close or how bright it is and how close it is to you. Right. So 10,000 is like a sunny day. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Sunny day. It's like um, light calories. <laughs> it is. That's a good way of putting it. It's like light calories. Yes. So, and so it's having this extreme effect. And so during the winter, that's when most people use it. 
Um, Even if you don't have full-blown SAD, most of us could definitely use some light first thing in the morning. Don't use it at night. So if you're working late in the office and it's about 5 p.m., don't turn it on. It's going to keep you on. It's going to keep you up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Definitely first thing, you know, in the morning, uh, if you have your coffee, turn it on. Um, I mentioned that I don't use it now. I normally do, even though it's summer or the beginning of summer, um, I would have it on just to kind of wake me up a little. Just to start your day. Just to start my day. Yeah. Instead of having that extra coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Which I would have anyway, but. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah. Well, we can talk about that some other day. So basically in terms of what people would feel from light therapy of that sort, it would be better energy, more kind of like sharper thinking, like all the things we would associate with that extra shot of coffee or whatever the case may be like better mental performance, basically. Better. Yeah. Better mental performance and a better sleep schedule and if done yeah. and mood, of course. Yes. So of course, that's why we said, don't turn it on at night because yeah. it would keep you up. But if it's on in the morning, it's in training you to your body thinks, Oh, it's daytime. Okay. You know, and it kind of goes from there. The whole schedule of your day goes from there. Yeah. You know, I used to use this little device a couple of years ago and I actually have the new version, which I haven't even taken out of the box, but I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called the human charger. I've not heard of that. No. So it's also from Finland, interestingly, because of course (laughs) this is where they need it. And instead of it being a full panel, it's kind of like a portable version, if you will. And the first model that they had was looked like a little tiny, it almost looked like a tiny little original iPod like at the silver ones, the super tiny, like a nano little ones. Yes. The little, little ones. Yeah. And it's got two earbuds that come out of it. And on the end of each earbud, there's this crazy bright light and you put it in your ears and, and there are photoreceptors that through the ear canal that are accessible. Have you seen this? I have. And, and I know that, I know they're not, I don't think, I know it's not approved for SAD in Canada. I don't know about the U S but in Europe, it is an approved medical grade device for treating SAD. Um, yeah. But it's also really helpful when you're trying to kick jet lag because- yeah, it's you, also another use we didn't go into. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can use it to reset your circadian clock when you come back. Exactly. Like people coming back from Europe in the part of the world where we are, for example, by three, four o'clock in the afternoon, they're starting to fade. Um, yes. So they would start. And, and in the case of that, in case of the human charger, it's like 10 minutes an hour for a few hours leading into the evening, just to kind of keep you up, kind of doing exactly what you said not to do so that you can delay going to bed and get yourself back on a regular schedule. Yes. More quickly. Which you would want in the case of entraining yourself back from jet lag. Yeah. And then in, in the morning not, again. Yeah. In the morning again. Yes. I'm, and it's interesting that it goes in the ears. It's all the same thing, right? The eyes are basically just an extension of, you know, the ears and the brain. It's all the yeah. same. It goes to the same place. Exactly. Well, it's interesting that you have those photoreceptors in your ears. I mean, you don't yes. shine the headphones into your eyes for sure. Like, I would hurt. I think it would <laughs> you wouldn't like drill holes into your eyes, but it, it, I always found it pretty interesting. Anyway, it's, you know, when you're not sitting at your desk, it's a solution also, I think to um, it, it can be helpful, but I've definitely seen those iPad looking things. And I, and I almost bought one this winter and I'm now kicking myself for not doing it, but they'll come back next year or I'll find one online. Yeah. And the great thing is they're portable. And even if you don't use it for 
SAD purposes. Sometimes I just shine it against a wall and it's an extra light source. Yeah, no kidding. It would have right? come in handy right now when my had no light in my office. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right about now. Okay, well, I now think that we've covered all the things we said we were going to cover. Is there anything we left out? Like, do you, I mean, you know, going back to the issue of, how do I, how do I approach this in my house? Maybe are the, I guess there's, I guess the the least overwhelming way to go about it might be to say, okay, I'm going to deal with the rooms that I use at that, at those specific times of day. And, yeah. and then using supplemental lighting instead of maybe doing that thing where you're trying to address every single bulb in your house so that you can supplement the lighting instead of yes. start over. Exactly. I would start with the fixtures that you have easy access to. So that's why if you don't have desk lamps, I highly recommend that you get some just because it will make your life so much easier. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can play around with your lighting more easily. I would definitely learn on more on the shapes and things like that. The more you get into it, the more interesting it gets. And you feel like, oh, I have control over my environment. Yeah. Um, It's empowering to feel like this basic concept lighting, Mm -hmm. which most of us don't know anything about, um, when you, you, it's empowering to feel that, oh, I understand where things should go and what shape to use and how it uses electricity. I always like to know how things work. You know, I wouldn't drive a car without really knowing the very basic idea of what's happening right? because it's a, you know, it's a big, heavy machinery. You want to know what's going on. Lighting is such a big part of our life. You should probably know a little bit about what's going on. So I would highly recommend or urge people to kind of feel more interested. Hopefully this conversation is opening their eyes to the the possibilities mm-hmm. of what lighting can do, not just biologically and physiology, uh, you know, how it makes us feel, but also how it makes us think. Yeah. And, and the, the big hold that it has on us, right. Lighting really does control us. So you really want to make it work the best that it can for you. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I love that. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I have a friend, I'm sitting here thinking, I have a girlfriend who's an interior, she's a designer and she built, she basically designs homes from scratch. And I'm like, I got to get her connected to you guys, because imagine the opportunity of, of starting from scratch in a home and being able to engineer the lighting in the home as it needs to be right out of the gate and have options for red lighting in the bedrooms for nighttime and have options for even in the kitchen. If you think about it having dimmer light available availability of dimmer light in the later in the evening so that you're not turning on those, you know, we all have really bright lights in our kitchen typically just so that we can see what we're doing and not amputate digits and things. <laughs> but, but, you know, when you, when you're going in, somebody's going in for a glass of water at night because you forgot to bring it with you into your bedroom Mm -hmm. turn on those lights and it's pretty intense. Yeah. So that's why dimmers are important, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Dimmers are important. And some people don't like dimmers because they, they buzz. They (laughs) could buzz. Some do buzz Um, with incandescence and halogens. They don't actually. Yeah. Yeah. Only with LEDs. Sometimes they do buzz because there has to be more. You have to think about the compatibility, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why I like filaments because it's just, it's a gentle glowing. It's like, it glows hotter. It glows cooler. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but some people don't like the the dimmers also because of the EMF. So in that case, that's why I was mentioning using a low wattage bulb. I mean, that does mean that you do have to have different fixtures with different light bulbs in different rooms, which I know must, to some people is not the most convenient thing, but 
at least uh, in the biohacking world, that's not an uncommon thing. No, no. I mean, I've, I have a good friend who in her living room, the only lighting at night would be red. And we would yeah. all fall asleep on the couch every Someone night. comes over and they're like, what is this? Yeah, exactly. You and you're like, bolt? everybody's half asleep. It's like, yeah, I got to go to bed. I'm out of here. <laughs> so this is the room where I decompress and this is yeah. the only light I have. Yeah. And that, that's the whole point. It's lighting really does um, have a say in how we feel and how we respond. So it shouldn't always be the same. It should always be, you know, changing. Yeah. And so do you have any of those bulbs that change over the day or... We don't just you because, don't. yeah, those it's incorporating a lot of things that we don't a lot really, of electronics. <laughs> a lot of electronics. Yeah. So, you know, you have the Wi-Fi signal that's mm-hmm. getting a signal to your phone to control it. I think they're very cool. Um, and I definitely see purpose for it. Um, I personally would not want to use something like that. No, I don't need any more Wi-Fi in my life personally. Yeah. I don't, I don't need any more of that. So yeah. I think lighting is a very simple you know, concept. And it, I, I would like to keep it simple, at least in the home yeah. Um, where I'm trying to decompress, but it's still a very, very interesting concept. And that's what the whole thing with LEDs and they're just so, you can do so much with them, including changing the color. Right. And, you know, you couldn't do that with an incandescent. Right. Incandescent's a one trick monkey. Right. Exactly. You know, so it's really where your interests lie, but at least in this community and biohacking, that might not be our, our interest. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. no, for sure. We're nobody's adding Wi-Fi where they don't need it. And, <laughs> um, and, and it's also a community that's open to chipping away at a problem, right? So bringing in new elements as, as they, as you're able to, and yeah, I mean, it's, these are all solvable problems at some level. So thank you. And they're, not, they're not problems, right? They're no, just- no, these are solvable. Like these are, I don't mean problems as in like problems as in math problems, not problems sure. as in problem problems. Okay. So assuming we've, um, I think we've kind of done a pretty good job covering most of what we were going to cover. I would say Anything so. Anything you'd yeah. like to, okay. So any parting words, if you had two or three, one or two, maybe final things to leave people with. Yeah. Just what I, you know, to reiterate what I mentioned before, it's we're so concerned with with our nutrition and our hydration and movement. Lighting should be in another part of your daily checklist for wellness. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And um, yeah, no, I think this is great. So Talia, why don't you tell people where they can learn more? Yeah. So um, we have a website called healthlighting.com. So that's health, H-E-A-L-T-H, lighting dot com mm-hmm. where you find all the chromalux light bulbs that we spoke about. So every technology, incandescent, halogen, LED, fluorescence. Uh, if you have an office that you need to change out, um, our company is Lumiram. Um, so if you have a store or you have a yoga studio or you're a chiropractor and you'd like to um, distribute these bulbs or use them in your practice, you can go to lumiram.com. Okay. So that's the B2B arm of the business. Exactly. So health lighting is if you want to purchase them and it is all of our products are all our Lumiram products. Amazing. I love it. And then you have a blog on your website as well, right? So yes, that's, that's on the blog. health lighting. That's on health lighting. So if you, if you're just anyone and you're interested in learning more about lighting, we have a lot of really great articles that break down health and light and then more that are going to be coming out. Like I mentioned on the shapes and the fixtures, the more practical aspect of lighting. 
I love it. That's amazing. And guys, we will have a discount code for you. We don't have it right at this minute because Lumiram, well, Talia is in the process of working that system out. We'll have that for you in the show notes. So thank you so much, Talia. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I've learned tons. (laughs) You, Natalie. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.